Hello and welcome to the Musicking Podcast. I'm your host, Trinity Lay, and today we have our final episode in our three-part series on the Econting. We've learned about the history of this instrument and how it is performed and the context that it's performed in. And now we're going to learn about how this art form is growing and changing and progressing today. How are new songs being written? How are recordings distributed? How are recordings being made? How is the instrument changing to be adapted for different contexts? And what are some interesting things that some incredible artists are doing and things to look forward in the future of this instrument. I was wondering if there's recordings of the people that you've mentioned, because I've, I've been like looking around online a little bit, and there's very few examples of recordings of Econting playing. Yeah, you're right. There are very few. Um, those Those that are available on YouTube have mostly been made by Americans and European banjo players who have who've gone and, and spent time and gotten to know Econting players and, and done really written really great things about it and then made recordings available. In the Cosmos, you you hear cell phone recordings. People have recordings of Econting music on their cell phones that get circulated a lot. It's also played on on radio stations. There's one in Ziginchor and one in another town called Uswi that they have weekly Econting radio shows where people you know will play and then those recordings can be circulated too but those are largely inaccessible outside of the cosmos unless you're kind of on the right whatsapp group you know so no there there really are not a lot of recordings i worked on one with nine ekonting players for smithsonian folkways that's currently in production so that'll that i think will be the first commercially available one in the u.s of ekonting music so we're all really excited about that. Yeah, that's exciting. What's the album name? Do you know? Yeah, it's called Ears of the People, which is the name of a group that was run by Ekona Jata and Remy Jata in this town called Mulump. And their their group's called Sijambukan, Ears of the People, which I just think is a fabulous <laughs> name. So yeah, Ears of the People, Econting Songs from Senegal and Gambia is the name of the album. You started to mention songwriting. How are songs written? How are they distributed? And how do other Econting players get to know about them? Um, you mentioned it being played on the radio and being shared through phones. Yeah, it's a really great question. And, um, you know, it happens in many different ways, as you can Im- imagine. You know, if you're, if you're say, a kind of a village Econting player, there's kind of pretty, I would say, extem- extemporaneous composition that people make up songs about their friends and people that they know. You know, that, again, might be in the context of a wrestling match where, like, if you have a sort of a signature move, (laughs) you know, wrestling move, that that might become part of your song that's about you. And your name is in that song. And you you actually probably have a wrestling name that's different than, you know, your birth name or something like that. And so that will become part of your song that your friends might make about you, even that you might make about yourself. And that happens not just in wrestling, but in a lot of different settings. And so this is something I've just really started thinking about recently is I realized how much that people's kind of life stories and identities get put into these songs. And it's something that people talk about after somebody dies, that they they get together and sing that person's songs. And it might be a song about what a great rice farmer they were, or what a great palm wine collector they were, or what a great dancer they were what a great wrestler they were, of course. And so those, those songs, they're just, they're about local people, you know, and and it's their friends who make those songs and their friends who remember them and share them with each other. 
So that's an important way that songs get composed and and transmitted too, because you know if you know someone, then you, you want to remember their song and know that know that about them. That's one way. And then there is a kind of a group of people who have taken the Ikonting into somewhat more presentational venues, although still often really participatory, but who write songs about a number of different subjects. And some of them are sort of self-consciously reflective about Jola cultural values or Jola activities. Some of them sort of tell historical stories. Some of them tell longer form stories, some of those songs. Is there a kind of standard repertoire that is just passed down? Yeah, that's a good question. And I, I don't really think so. Again, like I always think in comparison to neighboring West African musics, and it, it often does seem like there's kind of a core repertoire that that um, is, is part of an instrumental tradition. I haven't really seen that nearly to the same extent with Econting music. It does seem more idiosyncratic about what village you're in and who you learned from. And But that said, there there are sort of a few songs. That one Corrier that I played, I've met many people who know that song and play that song. That song I was playing um, by Agoyo, that's one like anytime I play that, it seems like the audience already knows it and just immediately start singing it, maybe because it has been broadcast on the radio. So there are a few that are kind of widely known, but I, I wouldn't say there's really kind of a core repertoire that's shared between all players. Mm-hmm. It reminds me one time I was sitting in on this meeting between folk musicians and they all brought their guitars and they just sing a song that they were working on or thinking about and between two musicians they were having this ongoing argument about what makes folk music folk music and so they present their argument just via these songs that they made up and so that was that was interesting it's it's interesting how casual and how participatory and how just seems so natural. Uh, I I woke up and there was uh, there's snow outside and I thought that was cool and so I'm going to write a song about it. You're right. It do, it does it feels so natural in the way that it comes out of people. But I think it's also because that's the setting. That's what feels normal to two people and they grow up around that. So you started talking about what econting culture is like now and how it's changing. People are starting to do some different things with the instrument. They're starting to make some alterations with the construction. What are some interesting things that you've seen and what do you think about it? Yeah, sure. So yeah, like I said, I I think kind of starting in the early 90s is when people started to play the econting outside of those kind of more traditional contexts and start playing in things like kind of broader regional folkloric competitions, even like national folkloric music competitions that Senegal would hold. And also playing like in in tourist venues, hotels along the coast in in Gambia and in southern Senegal. The Ikonting starts getting incorporated into those because it's a, you know, it's a pretty unique, people like to, to show that. So there was kind of a generation of folks who started doing that and then now it feels like there's almost a kind of a second generation of younger players who learned from that first generation about some of the more presentational contacts for the Ikonting and are also really interested in international popular music genres. Reggae is one I mentioned. Cabo from Cabo Verde is another one. You know, kind of R&B, salsa, all these, all these kind of musics. And so finding a place for the Ikonting within those musics is a project that several players that I know are working on. Jean Bosco Gujabi is, I think, kind of one of the 
earliest and maybe one of the more successful in doing that. And now people like Dominique Jata has this really sort of cool style of doing that. Buba Jeju is kind of right on the border of doing that. Elisa Jeju is a young woman who's who's doing that and just started playing Ekonting a few years ago. Joel Bassan is one who plays a little Ekonting, but also tries to kind of compose songs that work for the Ekonting that other people can play in in sort of more you know popular music influenced styles. So it's been interesting to kind of see how that's unfolded. I think the major frustrating factor there is economics and infrastructure. There's just so little money available to fund that kind of thing. And the the infrastructure for musical performance and musical recording is really limited. I mean, even just talking about what recording studios are there, you know, how accessible is it to amplify an instrument and, you know, what kind of venues exist to perform in that kind of stage setting? They're limited. And that's been the major frustrating factor for young musicians who are trying to make a life in music, which is a somewhat novel thing for a Jola person to want to do or try to do. Mm-hmm. And the instruments, too, you can sort of see changing, you know, for example, rather than using a papyrus reed for the neck, you might use a wood, you might use a wooden neck, and it's just more durable. And if it is a wooden neck, then you can use mechanical tuners, rather than the strings being tied directly to the neck, as they are traditionally, which works great. And it has a nice sound. I think it contributes to the sort of sweetness of the Ekonteng when they're tied on like that. But then it also is a real pain to tune it. And especially if you're trying to play in a setting where you're playing with, a, for example, an electric keyboard that has a kind of a fixed pitch, then it's hard for an Ekonteng to match that unless you have those mechanical tuners. So yeah, you see changes, changes like that happening to the instrument. A lot of times now when someone buys an instrument, they might want it to be have a pickup so that it can be electrically amplified because miking Ekontings is hard in live settings because like I said, they're just quiet. So it's nice to have that direct line pickup. back to how the Ekonting culture and music scene has started to change, is there any pushback by other people or is it just something that, you know, is, is very accepting and open? Yeah, I think it's generally pretty accepting and open. Yeah. You know, I mean, like I said, this is not, it's not a tradition that's like kind of closely guarded and enforced or, or you know, and there's not like this Ekonting school and that Ekonting school and they, you know, debate about <laughs> something it doesn't really have that feel and you know i think people jola people are in a general way a little bit ambivalent about people becoming professional musicians in part because it just doesn't really fit with the sort of traditional jola idea that um late labor hard labor is like a really a way of expressing yourself as a good person and so you know if you're a musician (laughs) Someone might say like, oh, they, you know, they just sit around and they're not, you know, out here working in the rice fields. And so there's a kind of a slight moral judgment there. But even that I don't you don't really run into that very often. I think, honestly, most of the kind of ambivalence about it is just worrying that if you do go into music, it's, you're going to have a hard time, you know, making a life for yourself, even as opposed to just focusing on being a rice farmer. And people sometimes have this idea that if you're 
get interested in Econting, you might be less interested in continuing your education. Musicians all around the world deal with parents who are may or may, or may not be kind of supportive of, of their, their career choices. Mm-hmm. But in terms of the actual style, I think in general, there's really strong support for like in- innovating on the Econting and bringing it into new genre areas and things like that. People just find that cool and exciting in general. So how has the Econting influenced you as a musician? Does it bleed into your banjo playing or uh, bluegrass playing at all? Or Yeah, it's a good question. Someone asked me that the other day. I was playing in an old-time jam here in Cincinnati and mentioned that I you know, was going to Senegal. And someone asked me, like, does African music c- come into your playing, your banjo playing? And at the time I said, no, not really. And then he said, no, I'm sure it must. And I was kind of thinking about it later, and it's probably right. But I think for me, it's a little hard to sort out only because I think there really is a kind of a closeness, actually, in banjo playing and even some of the ways that I think about old-time music culture. And old-time music is really where I feel most at home as a musician. But I think there's a kind of similarity there already, which at least in part comes from the fact that they are historically related. West African instruments and musical ideas are really prevalent in American music, of course. So yeah, I don't know. For me, like when I when I do play Clawhammer Banjo, for example, I think probably every once in a while a little Ting lick will show up. And I think maybe I tend to use like the fifth drone string as part of the melody to a greater extent, maybe than other Klaiyamer players, which is sort of an Econting thing to do. But yeah, beyond that, I mean, I think I, I think about them as being pretty similar already. So it's hard hard to sort out what's influencing what exactly. What are some projects that you're working on now, maybe with the Econting, and what are you planning on working on? You mentioned the one album. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so this you know continues to be something that I I love and make a part of my work. And I'm I'm going to be in Senegal next week. I'll be on a plane this time, <laughs> one week from today, which I'm really looking forward to. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, you know, th- this album is going on. And then I am working on a book about Econting players. So we'll be continuing to meet with people and interview people and participate and observe in Econting culture in Senegal and in the Gambia. And, you know, I, I, I do remain just interested in Jola culture and Jola music more broadly the Econting is, you know, as you can imagine, only a part of a big world of culture and music. So I've been, yeah, working on some other projects. One that I'm excited about continuing is this one about this woman called Aline Situe Jata, who was a really influential rain priestess in the Cosmos in the 1940s. And just understanding how people keep her memory alive through music and just trying to learn more about her as, as a music maker which is not how she's usually thought of within Senegal. But she did create songs, and songs were part of her religious gatherings. And I think music was a part of how she was relating to other people and to non-human persons, spirits, and even the climate, and to the creator, Emite. Music was a big part of enacting those relationships. Trying to do it in, in ways that emphasize collaboration and reciprocity in ethnographic research and that's something I've I've tried to do in my Econting research as well, thinking about collaboration and reciprocity as like core to any kind of research method rather than, I don't know, something you would do later or something like that or, or something that doesn't have anything to do with research. It's That's the applied part and then there's the research part. But instead, just always thinking of them as happening at the same time and one through the other. 
Any final closing remarks about the Econting? Is there anything that you just want people to know about the Econting specifically? Or? It's, wonderful, it's wonderful music played by wonderful people. The narrative of the banjo is really exciting and important in, in its connection to the Econting. But I, you know, I also just as as someone who has has some attachment to Senegal now, I wouldn't want that to overshadow the fact that the Econting is its its own instrument in its own right. It's not just the ancestor of the banjo, as people call it sometimes, as you know, an ancestor being like of the past and probably dead. <laughs> but the Econting is far from dead and has its own its own cultural life and its own music and. I guess I will say that that's kind of another thing I've been thinking about is people sometimes talk now about sustainability for music cultures. And there's been some disagreement even among scholars and even among Econting players. Like, is the Econting tradition threatened? Like, are fewer people playing it? Is it going to die out? Or is it thriving? Are a lot of people playing and is it growing? And if it is one or the other, what are the kind of best strategies to help it survive if it is threatened or to help it continue thriving if it is thriving. And so, yeah, I've just been curious to see how Jola people themselves are managing those things. And, you know, I think the kind of move to bring it into popular music is part of that. And I've seen how well that's worked. I mean, you know, just going to a concert, for example, by Jean Bosco Gujabi, puts on an awesome show and you see this group of young people just like totally excited about it. And then you talk to them and like many of them are trying to learn Econting now and trying to figure out ways to follow in his footsteps of, you know, bringing it into the music that they love, whether that be regional traditional music or global popular music. So anyway, all that is to say that there's just, I think the Econting is a really exciting and yeah, very alive tradition that's gonna that does have a, both a past uh, that is important and important on a on a global scale, but it also has a present and a future that are really exciting and important too. Thank you for tuning in to another episode of the Musicking Podcast. The next episode will be taking a bit of a different direction, and we'll be exploring music as it is used in treatment and therapy for individuals with memory-related neurological diseases, such as Alzheimer's and dementia, and occasionally Parkinson's. We'll be looking a bit at the neuroscience behind why musical treatments are so effective in these cases, and for those of us with loved ones affected by these diseases, we'll also walk through the process of how to take advantage of this effectiveness and create some of your own musical therapy activities. This is a really interesting and exciting topic, so I hope you are able to give it a listen.